right, let's stand up and praise the King of Kings and Lord of Lords this morning. Looks like we got a lot of room to move, so you can dance around, spin around, whatever you want to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. And I believe in signs and wonders. And I have resurrection power. Still the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. My praise belongs to you forever. This is my testimony from death to life. As grace rewrote my story, I'll testify. Jesus Christ, the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Come together, sons and daughters, bought with blood and washed in water. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son, and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Our God will finish what He started. This is my testimony from death to life. Victory wrote my story. I'll testify. Jesus Christ, the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. And greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Oh, greater things are still to come. This is my testimony from death to life. Grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Yeah. This is my testimony.
is my testimony from death to life. Grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. Oh, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my soul. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life. Oh, he is my soul. Because you are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh, you are good, so good. Oh, 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 you are good, good. Oh, let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails. The anchor in the waves, oh, he is my soul. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins. For oh, the echo of my days, oh, he is my soul. Cause you are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh, you are good, so good. Oh, 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 you are good, you're good. Oh, you're never gonna let, never gonna let me die. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me die. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Cause you're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let You're never gonna let me down Cause you are good Good Oh, you are good You're good Oh, you are good So good Oh, 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 you are good you're good, oh, you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, so good, oh, you are good, so good, oh, 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 you are good, so good, oh. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me. He's never leave you nor forsake you. You're never gonna let, 
never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down Cause you are good, you're good Oh, you are good, so good Oh, you are good, so good Oh, 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 you you're good, oh, oh, you are good, so good, oh, oh, you are good, good, oh, oh, you are good, so good, oh, oh, oh you are good, good, oh. Father, thank you for being good. A good father, Father, that is just always there with us, God. And even when we mess up and we you know, put ourselves in so many stupid situations. Father, you never leave us and you don't forsake us, but you grab us, pull us out of the miry clay, and set our feet back on the rock and put us back in the right path. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God, that you don't just look at us and say, oh, you messed up and just run, and, and forget about us. But, God, you go through the great lengths to set us free. You sent your son Jesus to be the sacrifice that we couldn't pay. Instead of just forgetting about us, you made a way.
the name that's so much greater than all names. Be lifted up. Be lifted higher. Lifted higher, be lifted up, oh, be lifted higher, be lifted up, be lifted higher. sing praises to your name oh praises to your name you're the name that's so much higher than all names and all under to your name, all under to your name, the name that's so much greater than all names. Be lifted up. Your name is light Your name is hope inside Hope inside Your name is love A love that always finds me Oh, it always finds me Your name is life Your name is hope inside me Hope inside me Your name is love A love that always finds me Always finds me be lifted up, be lifted higher, be lifted up, be lifted higher, oh.
He lifted up. Be lifted higher. Be lifted up. Be lifted higher. God, we lift you up. Be lifted higher. Oh, be lifted up. Be lifted higher. Oh, lift him up. Lift him up this morning. Be lifted up. We lift you up, Lord. Be lifted higher. Be lifted up. Be lifted higher. Your name. Your name is life. Your name is hope inside me hope inside me your name is love a love that always finds me it always finds me your name is life your name is hope inside Hope inside me. Your name is love. A love that always finds me. Always finds me. Your name is life. Your name is hope inside me. Hope inside me. Your name is love, a love that always finds me, always finds me. Be lifted up, be lifted higher. Lifted higher, oh. he lifted up, he lifted higher, he oh. lifted up, he lifted higher. Give you 
everything nothing less forever everything nothing less my life is yours completely yours everything nothing less give you everything nothing less my life oh everything and nothing less oh my life is yours oh completely yours thing and nothing less i give you everything and nothing less forever everything and nothing less my life is yours oh completely yours and i surrender i surrender
at your feet I lay it at your feet I surrender I surrender all Lord take control and I trust you I'm letting go to give you. Oh, let's sing that again. Mean it from your heart. Lord, take control. And I trust you. Do you trust Him with everything that is in you? Oh, I'm letting go. To give you all, Lord, take control. I trust you, you can have it all. I'm letting go, I give you. Lord, take control. I trust you. I'm letting go to give you everything and nothing less. My best. My own, you deserve my every breath, my life, my soul, everything and nothing less. Every breath, my my soul, and I surrender, I surrender all, and I surrender. Nothing less I give you Everything and nothing less Forever Everything and nothing less My life is yours Completely yours Everything and nothing less 
give you everything and nothing less. My whole oh, everything and nothing less. My life is yours, completely yours. Everything, nothing. I give you, Lord, everything and nothing less. Oh, forever, everything and nothing less. My life is yours. Completely yours And everything Nothing less I give you Lord Everything Nothing less Forever Everything And nothing less My life Is yours Completely yours Surrender, I surrender all. And I surrender, I surrender all. I surrender all. And I surrender. Surrender all. Oh. I surrender. I surrender all. Father, I give it all. I surrender. I surrender all. every breath my life and my soul and everything and nothing less my best my own you deserve my every breath my life, my soul, and I surrender, I surrender all. Cause my heart 
is the wick Love is the flame And I wanna burn for your name My heart is the wick Love is the flame And I, I wanna burn for your Is the wick your love is the flame I wanna burn for your name my heart is the wick your love is the flame I wanna burn Here's the way your love is the flame and I I wanna burn for your name my heart is the way your love is the flame and I I wanna burn My heart is the wick, your love is the flame, and I wanna burn for your name. My heart is the wick, your love is the flame, and I wanna burn for your name. Burn for you, only you, only you. I wanna burn, burn for you, and only you. No place I would rather be No place I would rather be Than here in your love Here in your love No place I would rather be Oh, no place There's no place No place I would rather be Than here in your love Here in your love no place I would ride. Oh, there's no place. There's no place I'd rather be than here in your love. Here in your love. No place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. No place I would rather be than here in your love. Here in your love. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. And I want more of you, God. And I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. And I want more of you, God. 
want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. in that song set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control because I want more of you God I don't know if you've thought about that a container can only hold so much That's right. and so if you want more of God in your life some things have to go because the container can only hold so much. And so we say, Lord, send your fire to burn up everything that doesn't belong, that doesn't need to be there, because I want more of you. Now, we like the more part, but we're not so sure about the fire part, believe me. Because when it starts, when God goes, oh, I just heard that. Okay, let's let's move in this area, and let's do this in this area. We go, oh, God, what are you doing? He said, I'm making more room for me. But something's got to go. Come on now. Right? Right? You just can't bring more in and more in and more in and more in. And so when we pray, when we sing that song, we're actually making a declaration. God, I want more of you. Send your fire. But that means, whoo, he's going to clean house. That's right. But that's so that more of him. That's a win-win, folks. He's bringing order and more of him. And I, I was thinking of the prayer that Paul wrote concerning the Ephesian believers in chapter 1. And it just seems to fit with that. And he says, 
So I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know Him. So that the eyes of your heart be enlightened and that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power for us who believe according to the working of His great power? That was the prayer for the believers of that day. And I believe that's still the prayer for God's people today. That God, you open our eyes, spiritual eyes and understanding, give us wisdom and revelation of all that you have for us. All that is at our disposal. All that you intend for us. That we don't, let's quit putting God down in our eyes to, so where we can try and understand him. And let's God, let God raise us up to see him in his glory. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. And when I saw him, Isaiah was changed absolutely changed from that moment we we try and make god fit in our little sphere of understanding but he said my ways are not your ways there's no way that that's going to happen and so i want us to pray this morning i want us to pray along this very line of what uh paul wrote to the ephesians that the wisdom the spirit of wisdom and revelation would give us understanding of the greatness and the richness of his name and the power and that is at work in us that came through christ father i pray for the saints i pray for your church not only here at life church but all across acadiana god i just pray that the, those believers that are there who are going after you with their heart, God, that you would open their spiritual eyes and give them spiritual understanding beyond anything that they've known, that they would begin to see and comprehend. That's the word understand me, to comprehend the riches of the power of your name. That God, we are not lambs led to slaughter but God we are those that have been sent out under the banner of the king of glory and that we have a message and that message is not just empty words but it is a message of hope that brings deliverance to the captives but it brings deliverance to those who are bound and it is not just words but it is words that have power and authority behind it, Father. Even to the youngest of believers, the name of Jesus will cause demons to tremble and flee and the power of the Lord to be manifest even in our presence. Father, we pray for Lafayette and the whole surrounding area. We're praying for God that you would move in a miraculous way, in a powerful way, that you would make your name known among the peoples of Acadiana, Lord, that there would be such a stirring in the hearts of people, God, that they would begin to ask questions 
What is this? What is this we are hearing? What is this we are seeing? What is this that God it creates such a hunger that people begin to say, God, I want more of you. Send your fire. Bring your fire upon our lives. Consume everything that is not of you, Lord, that there is more room for you. Because to know you is eternal life. To know you in the power of your name is, is what it's all about, Lord. It's all about you, Jesus. Your name be lifted high. Your word says that if you be lifted up, you will draw all people unto yes. you. Yes. God, we lift you up this morning and every day of our lives. Let our lives be burning lampposts. Be a burning lamppost and a beacon in, in, in a, a place of darkness, Lord, that would draw people out of darkness into your marvelous light. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And now, Lord, we pray this morning, open our ears, give us understanding. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Show us the mind and the will of the Father for our lives and for the lives of those around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Say hello or smile at someone sitting next to you. Maybe you have not had a chance to say hello to. I want to just take a moment. Uh, this is the first Sunday of the month. And how many enjoy that extra hour of sleep? I, 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 I jokingly put on Facebook the other day, somebody sent it to me, said, uh, everybody gets, uh, the, the clocks go back an hour, so the pastor gets to preach an hour longer. <laughs> and uh, I had a few people go, amen, but I, I heard a lot more people going, I ain't touching that. <laughs> and, um, but uh, I want us to, uh, Elizabeth, can you find the slide for MVP and put it up there? Uh, the first of the month is Mission Sunday for us. Uh, we, we support a lot of mission projects and mission missionaries that, uh, that are all over um, the country and around the world. And, um, and I want to say thank you last, last week for those of you that were here last weekend. Thank you for your love gifts and offering for Brother Jason Beard and their ministry. We gave that all to them and some more. And, uh, and, and uh, they just said, I don't, they said, Pastor, I just want to tell you there's something special about what's going on at Life Church. That was his words. He said, I don't say that lightly. I said, no, you don't say anything lightly. <laughs> he does not mince words. How many of you can say amen to that? And, um, but uh, uh, one of the things that we do is it, we, we want to support the heart of God, and the heart of God is people. And uh, all over the world. And um, so every month we try and take a few moments on the first Sunday of the month to tell you about one of the missionaries or one of the projects or one of the organizations that we support. And we've just picked up, um, I'm proud to say, MVP Ministries. Um, and, and let me just tell you a little bit about this. Um, 
the man and the husband and wife that started this group I've known him for a number of years he served on staff for eight years under my mentor uh, who's gone to be with the Lord brother Bobby Bowen and so from that connection alone Terry and I um, have been um, uh, I say friends and closer friends even now but um, he felt impressed a few years ago to start what was called MVP Ministries. MVP, I won't go into bothering what that all stands for. But their purpose is simply this, is, is to tangibly honor and connect faith-centered leaders together in fellowship and becoming a strong voice of encouragement and a champion for spiritual, emotional, and physical self-help. And they have a number of ways that they do that. They have uh, breakaways. They have book resources. They have fellowship opportunities, um, uh, financial grants for, I could, if I could read this, for ministry widows, orphans, pastors, children's, hospital care package, funeral expenses, counseling services. Uh, he started do a, doing, using the technology of a Zoom meeting uh, just a few, few, couple of few years ago. And when he first started, it was just a handful of people. And it has grown so much over so many states. They're now doing two meetings every Thursday, one at 8.30 and one at 11 o'clock. Now, the 11 o'clock is mainly for those that are out in the west, Midwest area, get up a little bit later than we do. And um, But it has grown so much that, for example, this past Thursday, I was headed back from the hospital after having my pre-op work done for my angiogram Friday, and I didn't want to miss the call, so I pulled it up on my phone and listened as I was driving home. It, they had almost 70 pastors on there from all over the country, and the, the afternoon, the, more, the 11 o'clock one, I call the afternoon one, 11 o'clock one, they had about 43 pastors, and it's just growing. And it's growing so much, as you could see, they've just started a ladies MVP because the ladies were saying, we need this just as much as the men do. And each week, there's about 10 minutes or so or 20 minutes of as people are signing on, they're talking to one another, they're jesting, laughing, making jokes, telling stories on each other, everything, which is great. But there's somebody... That will speak and it's not these big name powerful people it may be a small pastor of a little church out in the middle of podunk holler and they'll speak for 10 or 15 minutes something that god's put on their heart and then there's opportunities for response and it usually lasts about an hour but it's one of the most powerful hours and i'm telling you the stories that i've heard from the people who are participating are, are incredible. I've pointed this out before. Statistics show in America we lose up to 1,800 pastors every month. They leave the ministry. They're burned out. They're tired. They're worn out. They don't have a safe place to turn to. They don't know where to turn to when they're facing issues. And my brother Terry Allen and his wife Sam, Samantha, Sam Lee, we call her Sam, they started MVP, and they've created that safe space. But it's more than just a technological call. They, it is nothing 
for Brother Terry, who lives in Tennessee, to suddenly be on text, texting that he's headed to New Mexico or headed to Oklahoma or headed up to Illinois because there's a pastor in trouble. They have had to, they have taken money out of their pockets and paid for funerals, paid for counseling when pastors were at the point that if they didn't eat counseling, they were going to hurt themselves or hurt somebody else. I, I, I wish I could tell you all the things that they do, and it's growing by leaps and bounds. And um, I just believe that it's, you know, that we can go out and, and, and we can spread the message of Jesus in missions. But if we ignore those who are weekly standing behind pulpits or in home groups and they're trying to minister to those and they're hurting and they're damaged. How many of you know hurting people hurt people? And I can tell you, having been in the ministry as long as I have, that many times denominational leaders, they react to situations after the fact. And what MVP does is try and be proactive and get there before it happens and intervene, whether it's a person who's just needing someone to talk to or counsel with. I mean, I'm just telling you, the, the ministry work that they're doing is phenomenal. And it's by word of mouth. They don't advertise it, nothing. But every week, there's, there's new people on the call. And they'll say, how did you find out about this? So-and-so told me about it. So-and-so told me about it. So-and-so told me about it. And I can just tell you, it's, it's, it's just powerful. And it has personally impacted my life. And so I told Brother Terry, I said, Brother, we're going to pick you up for $50 a month. I know it's not a lot, but we're going to support you. We're going to start off supporting you because we need to support those who have committed their lives to preaching the gospel and helping them. I'm just telling you, it's a lonely place when you're standing here and you feel like you have no place you can turn to. And unfortunately, in the ministry, it's become very competitive. And if you open up and show weakness, there are 10 standing at the door waiting to say, I'm there to help you. And the minute they come in, they're trying to steal your flock. I'm just telling you, it's real. And Sam, Sam and Terry are doing a phenomenal job. Just phenomenal job. And so that is one of our mission causes here at Life Church beginning this month. Now, in the first of the month, we have mission envelopes. Our ushers have some. But there's a place even on the regular envelopes. And on the, uh, uh, go ahead and put the thing up there for Tithely. On the apps for Tithely, there's a place for missions on there too. So if you ever want to give to missions, you can do that. Um, you can text to give, and you just put missions and the amount, and it will go through exactly to missions. We don't take a dime out of that, and and uh, we give 100% of it to missions work. And so I just wanted to let you know about what MVP is and that we're a part of that organization. 
And uh, uh, I'm just telling you, it's, it's phenomenal. I wish I could tell you all day long the stories that I've heard and how it has ministered to me and, and uh, helped me. I personally got a call just a few weeks ago from him, the head guy, and he goes, hey, bro, what's going on? I said, nothing, everything's fine. Don't lie to me. I said, I'm fine. But he said, I just felt I needed to call you. And I said, well, I'm praying about some things. I'm, you know, concerned about some things and physically and church-wise and just the world itself. And he said, you need a break. I said, I know I need a break. And, and when I was in Bible college, I had a professor tell me this, you better come apart before you come apart. And I thought, nah, I don't need to hear that. And you know what happened? I suffered burnout in the next semester. Ended up dropping out of school for the rest of that semester. But I was told, you'll never come back because when they drop out, they never come back. Well, they were wrong because that was just like throwing down the gauntlet, Brother Bobby. I said, I'll prove you wrong. But you know what? I came home and I rested. I, I shut everything out of my calendar except church and work. And then I went back to school. And... I learned that that man who spoke that into my life had more wisdom than this 19-year-old kid did at that time. So anyway, I appreciate them, and I wanted you to know about it. If you want a missions envelope, you can raise your hand. They'll give you a missions envelope, or you can write it on the regular envelope under missions, and anything you write there or using the Tithely app, whatever, and all that will go to uh, missions, okay? Let's switch microphones here. How many of you enjoyed last weekend? Yes. Amen. And, and it took me a few days to kind of come off that mountaintop for a little while. But it was great. Uh, I have a message I want to teach this morning. Um, and it's called the spirit of anti-Semitism. And I hope you don't write me off. I'm going to give you some, a lot of scripture and I'm going to give you some uh, facts and things. And, and uh, I may end up doing this in two parts. There's another aspect of this I'm not going to be able to touch on today. But I've taught on, on anti-Semitism in the past, and I'm probably going to teach that part next week. I, when I teach eschatology for our LaSalle uh, group, uh, Louisiana School of Ministry, every year, I, I teach this other class uh, uh, lesson. And um, and. And it's important because it deals with anti-Semitism, but it also is a key to understanding the second return of Jesus Christ. And so I think that's important to know. How many of you think that's important to know? But today, um, since October 7th, the terrorist attacks that took place in Israel by Hamas, this subject has been in the headlines around the world on a daily basis for a month now. I'm just going to begin to show you some of them. Uh, Anti-Semitism has been on the rise for almost 20 years. Well, more than 20 years, but especially in the last 20 years. But nothing like what we've seen over the last month. And it's not just in the United States. It's actually happening overseas. Yesterday, while I was taking a few moments to watch part of the college football highlights or whatever at halftime, I saw a TV commercial that said 
that um, since October 7th and the attacks of Hamas, anti-Semitism in the United States has risen 333% in less than one month. And, and uh, I, I want to focus on something else. You may have seen this was part of a post on the Cornell University campus. And if you can't read that, it says, Jewish people need to be killed. If you see a Jewish person on campus, follow them home, slit their throats. Rats need to be eliminated from Cornell. And this, just this morning, this headline came across. It says, pro-Palestinian protesters worldwide call for Israel's elimination. If you could see the red, that was hands that were dipped in fake blood spread on the walls outside the White House gate just yesterday. Uh, there are biblical scholars who believe that Psalm 83, which I mentioned a few weeks ago, is not a literal future war, and others that do believe that it is. But I want to focus on something that I really never saw until this past week. I, I don't know about you, but you can read this book from cover to cover multiple times, and if you ask the Holy Spirit to show you, he'll unveil things that you've never seen before. And you'll sit there and go, God, I've read this before. When did you put that in there? It's always been there. I want to focus on something else, and it is from Psalms 83, but I think it will help us to understand the spirit that is at work in the current Middle East crisis and that has now spread to the very shores of our nation. It, 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 I mean, you're, not, you're seeing headlines in, in America where Jewish people and Muslims too now but especially Jewish people are in hiding. One interview of a, one student at Cornell said his parents had called and told him to come home. It was no longer safe for him to stay on campus. And we're seeing um, on the news, all, most of what you're seeing in protest are those who are supporting quote, the Palestinians. I told you two weeks ago there's no such thing as a Palestinian by history. But, but they're pushing that because and, and, and our younger generation, and I say younger, uh, those, those a lot younger than me, let's put it that way, they've bought into it because they, for 30, 40 years, have been teaching and educating people of things that are not, to be truths that are not truth, okay? And so anyway, I want to I look at Psalms 83. We're going to look at some verses, and here, beginning with verse 1, it says, O God, do not remain silent. Do not turn a deaf ear. Do not stand aloof, O God. See how your enemies growl, how your foes rear their heads. With cunning... They conspire against your people. They plot against those you cherish. Well, we know immediately who the psalmist is talking about. He's talking about the Jewish people. God said, he chose Abraham. He said, I will make a people out of you, and they will be my people, and I will be your God. And, and so conspiring against the Jewish people is nothing new. From the time of the Philistines to the Nazis, uh, the Jewish people have been plotted and conspired against. 
But the psalmist is saying, don't, don't be silent. Don't turn a deaf ear. Don't, don't close your eyes. Look and see what's happening. They're plotting. They're cunningly plotting against your cherished people. Okay? Verse 4 says, Come, they say, let us destroy them as a nation so that Israel's name is remembered no more. And with one mind, they plot together. They form an alliance against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab, the Hagrites, the Byblos, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, and the people of Tyre. Even Assyria has joined them to reinforce Lot's descendants. Now, I'm just putting up here, this is an ancient map of Israel. And, and if you can just see it from where you're at, I've colored the outlying areas. And those outlying areas and those on the other side, these are, these are the areas that, that he's, he's, he's going to refer to in Psalms 83. And I'm going to put those names up for you so that you know the names in the Bible, oftentimes when we don't recognize them, we just blow past it because it doesn't mean anything. But the ancient names have modern names. And so ancient history and maps will show you where these people are that he goes on to talk about in Psalms 83. And so here's the beginning of it. He talks about the tents of Edom. And that is southern Jordan or the Jordanians who live in the southern part of the kingdom of Jordan. The Ishmaelites are the Saudis or Saudi Arabia. Ishmael is the father of all Arabs. Okay. Um, and uh, then there's Moab, and that is the central Jordanians. Um, the Hagrites, Egyptians. Hagar is the matriarch of Egypt. Um, Byblos, it says Gibal, or Byblos, uh, is Hezbollah in northern Lebanon. Um, then there's Ammon, um, and that is the northern Jordanians. So Jordan, Jordan is broken into three different parts in ancient times. It, I mean, they were one, but they were, there was a people's group in each one. Uh, Amalek, uh, the Arabs of the Sinai area, uh, the Sinai Peninsula south of Israel. Philistia is where the Gaza Strip of today and Hamas, that's where all this stuff is going on right now. Tyre is, is Hezbollah in southern Lebanon, okay? Assyria deals with the Syrians and northern Iraqis. Now, these, and please understand, I'm just, I'm not preaching political stuff or anything like that. I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible tells us and, and what we're seeing today. These nations today exist already and they're united under the values of Islam, okay? And this is not a message against Islam. I'm just simply telling you historical, truthful facts. But Islam is influenced by a sibling rivalry that dates back to Ishmael and Isaac and Esau and Jacob. If you were, I don't have time to go through the whole story, but go back and read the story of Abraham and Sarah, where God promised them that 
He said, the seed, your seed will be like the sands of the sea, like the stars of the sky. 20-something years go by. He's almost 100 years of age. He's not had a son or a child, and his wife is 10 years younger than him. She's not going to have a baby. So she comes up with the plan, take my servant and go in and have physical relations with her and give birth to a, a son that can be the offspring and fulfillment of this promise. There's a message in there, folks. If God's given you a promise, let God bring it to pass and you quit trying to help them. Because what we have today in the world is the mess because Abraham and Sarah had a great idea. Actually, it was Sarah had the idea. And the man just went along with it. Not going to touch it. <laughs> Not going there. But this ancient res resentment against Israel is only part of what is fueling the attacks and the conspiring against the, the existence of a Jewish homeland. Okay? It's only part of it. And the second part I'll tell you next week. But let's go back and look at verse 4 and 5. It says, come, they say. Who's they? The nations that are listed in Psalms 83 that surround Israel. He says, come, they say, let us destroy them, meaning Israel and the Jews, as a nation, so that Israel's name is remembered no more. And with one mind, in other words, with one purpose, they plot together and they form an alliance against you. I've underlined that part, against you. Because what you need to understand is that the hatred that is against Israel is rooted in a spiritual cause. Okay? Because what did they say? They said, they said, let's destroy them as a nation. And then the psalmist says, and they plot together and form an alliance against you, God. So this takes it to a whole nother level. This isn't a prejudice against a people because of color or ethnicity or whatever. It's on a higher plane. Because he says, when they plot against your people, they're plotting against you. They're conspiring against you. Now, when Satan came to Adam and Eve in the garden to rebel and sin against God, God, in return, ended up coming to Adam and Eve and revealing the punishment for their sin. For God had told them, the day you eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you will die. And the serpent, we know, was Satan came and said, you shall not die, you shall be as God. And they, and, and they saw that the fruit looked good, and Adam ate of the fruit. Adam willfully sinned because God directly had told him the woman, the Bible says, was deceived by the serpent. And the husband didn't correct her. He listened to her, 
but he's the one that willfully obeyed. So that's why the Bible says the woman was deceived, but Adam sinned. And through the first Adam, the Bible says, sin entered into the world, but Christ came as the second Adam and removed the curse of sin by those who would believe in him. So they sin, and God comes to Adam and tells him, here's, what's ha here's your punishment for having disobeyed me. From this day forward, you will have to work by the sweat of your brow to provide food. He also said, the garden that you've lived in that has been luxurious, that you've not even had to maintain, he said, from now from the ground will come thorns and thistles and weeds. So all you gardeners who hate those weeds, it's Adam's fault. It is. To Eve, the punishment, he says, that from now on, in childbirth, you'll do so by pain. He said, you'll virtually go down into the jaws of death to bring forth life. What does that mean? It means that she had given birth before without pain. I'm going to let you chew on that for a little while. But that's not the point this morning. He then turned to the serpent. And he... he, he announced two punishments on him. Why? Because he was the source. And the first was, he said, from now on, you will crawl on your belly in the dust. And everybody says, well, snakes crawl on their belly anyway. They didn't used to. And they have, science has found fossils of serpents with back legs. It's not a curse if you already crawl on your belly. Right? But there was a second part to the punishment, and it's, it's a prophetic word that God gave that would bring forth a redeemer and deliverer. And it's found in Genesis 3 and 15. And he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. In other words, he says, I, there will be a woman who will bring forth the seed of the Messiah, who will destroy you. And then he speaks of when Satan will bring forth a seed of a person, which we know in the book of Revelation and Daniel is the Antichrist himself. But from that moment on, when God spoke that word to Satan, to the serpent, from that moment on in the Bible, we have accounts of Satan trying to stop the coming of Israel's Messiah. Okay? I can give you examples. In Genesis 6, we have the Nephilim that are there. Um, when Balaam tried, was hired to curse Israel, but every time he opened his mouth, he would bless them. And he said, I can't help but bless them. I can't speak but what God puts in my mouth. And they said, well, do something. And he says, I can't curse them like you want, but here's what to do. Get their men to marry your women. And you will break the bloodline, the sacredness of the bloodline, and that will stop the coming. It was not a, phys it was not a, a warfare thing. It was not a, 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 a 
a natural thing, if I can put it that way, of one nation against another nation or one people against another people. It was Satan trying to stop and pollute the bloodline for the Messiah to keep from coming. When Jesus was born, Satan's still up to his bag of tricks because what happened? The Magi come and says, where is he who's born king of the Jews, right? And two years goes by or a year and a half goes by and the Magi never come back and tell Herod where the child is. And so he sends forth the soldiers and tells them to kill every boy under the age of two. Why? To fulfill prophecy that was already spoken. But again, he's trying to stop the coming of the Messiah. And I'll teach more about that part of it next week. But here's the other aspect that I want us to see. It says again, the, the psalmist says, with cunning they conspire against your people. They plot against those you cherish. Conspiring, again, it, against the Jews is nothing new. And they say, come, let us destroy them as a nation. I want you to see that. So that Israel's name is remembered no more. And with one mind they plot together and they form an alliance against you. This is, this is the whole point. This is the point that we're seeing with all the Palestinian protests and everything else. I showed you that, that headline from this morning. That they want Israel annihilated completely destroyed, no one left behind, if I can put it that way. And so in the days leading up to the attack on October 7th by Hamas on Israel, I, two weeks ago I talked about this. Israel, with the U.S., was working with Saudi Arabia, and they were about to recognize Israel in a way that would have paved the way for all the other Arab nations to recognize Israel's right to exist, okay? Now that is off the table for now, but I believe it's gonna come back down the road, depending on what happens in this war and everything else. But it would have normalized relations between Israel and Arab nations. And the basis of that agreement was on what is now called the Abraham Accords Declaration. This is something that's already in place. It began in 2020, three years ago, well, over three years ago, with the United Arab Emirates. They signed an agreement to this effect, and it was followed by southern, southern, several other Arab nations. Within a month, another one signed, two months, another one signed, then another one signed, and this was while President Trump was still in office. And, and the peace plan or uh, agreement that was at work before the attack was the foundation for expanding that agreement with all of the other Arab nations. And I pointed out that in doing so, that would have isolated Iran because Iran is ancient Persia. And Persians are not Arabs, they're Persians. They will correct you on that, I'm, I guarantee you. They will correct you. So that has been taken off the table right now. But what's the connection between it and the attacks of Hamas, which have now been interspersed with attacks from Hezbollah and Lebanon, 
and the Houthis and Yemen and some of the Syrian forces. Folks, there are things at work right now behind the scenes. The world is looking down the bolt barrels of a loaded gun at World War III. I'm just telling you, it's that serious. Well, Psalms 83 shows us the demonic nature or motive that's behind what's going on. And this is what just blew me away this, over the last week as God began to show me these things. And that is the desire to break the original Abrahamic covenant. See, they have, these, they have what's called the Abraham Accords Agreement signed in 2020. And they're building off of that. And I made the statement a couple of weeks ago that could this be the beginning of what is written about in Daniel 9 and 27, that there will be an agreement or a covenant of for seven years that the Jews accept that begins the countdown to the tribulation period. I don't know, but it very much could be. And it wouldn't surprise me that if it's, it's called the Abrahamic Accord, that the Jews would go for something like that. But Psalm 83 reveals to us what's really behind what's going on now. And I said that it was no mistake that on October 7th, on the high Sabbath of the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, which represents to us prophetically the eternal perfect state where in Revelation it says God wipes away all our tears, all our pain, all, no more suffering, no more of all of that. It represents that day when that day comes. It's not by accident that Hamas attacked on that day. They did the very opposite of what that day stood for. And so the connection is that it... The, the desire of the nations in Psalms 83, the, the nations that have gathered now, is to break the original Abrahamic covenant. See, the spirit of anti-Semitism is not satisfied with destroying Israel as a nation. They want to wipe out the memory of the name of Israel. They want to erase it. I, I, how many of you know that if a generation or so goes by and something no longer exists, that generation never knew about it? I see it on Facebook all the time, people who say, what candy from the 1970s is, did you like and, and is gone now? And I'm thinking 70s, I'm thinking 50s, 60s, you know. And... Um, but people don't know about those things because so much time has gone by and a generation's come up that never heard anything about it. Look what it says. They want to wipe out the memory of the name of Israel. And in effect, they want to break the Abrahamic covenant that God made with Abraham. So how does that fit into all this? Well, let me show you real quick. God pledges that a chosen people will come through the loins of Abraham, through his lineage, okay? 
Genesis 22, verse 17 and 18. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So he promised a promise, not just to Abraham though. He he said he would bring a chosen people, would come through Isaac, who is Isaac, Abraham's son, right? And in Genesis 26, verse 2 and 4, it says, The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands, and I will confirm the oath that I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and give them all these lands and through your offspring all nations on the earth will be blessed. So God made the promise to Abraham. Then he makes the promise to his son Isaac. And then he goes on and says, I'll bring a chosen people through Jacob. He goes, he goes another whole generation. In Genesis 28 and 14, he says, Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and the south, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and through your offspring. So if, if they can somehow wipe out the Jews, God has made a promise to Abraham, and God is not a man that he should lie. So this is why they conspire. But there's more to it. Because God not only promised Abraham descendants that would be as numerous as the sand on the sea, God pledges that he would give those descendants the promised land. Genesis 15 and 18. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. And Joshua 1 and 4, he says, Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Now, the, Medi the Hittite country, we see, we just read that. We just go past that because it doesn't mean anything. But the Hittite country is modern-day Turkey. How is that working into what's going on? If you've seen anything in the news in the last week... Uh, President Erdogan of Turkey, who Turkey is supposed to be a member of NATO. The North Atlantic, right? We're supposed to have a, they're supposed to be our ally. But the President Erdogan called his representatives back from Israel, broke off all ties with Israel this past week, and has called for all the Arabs all the Muslims of the area to come and join him under his leadership and he would bring war against Israel. Can I tell you that that could possibly be the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38 and 39? Hey, somebody with the... Bump the thermostat up one degree because there's people out here cold. Thank you very much. And all you people out there who are warm, just fan yourself. But listen to me. Just bump it up one degree. If Satan could, through a human coalition, 
wipe out the name of Israel, if he could. That would effectively make the God of Israel look powerless and a liar in the face of the entire world. See, I want you to understand something. What is happening in Israel is a worldwide event. Israel is fighting for its very existence, for its enemies want to annihilate and remove all remembrance of them from the face of the earth. That's why I was so disappointed in our, our administration when they called on Israel this week to slow it down and, and, and let's not be so aggressive. I guarantee you if there were terrorists that had built under the city of New York City and there was 400 miles of tunnels and they were jumping out and killing Americans left and right, we would not be so passive. I'm just telling you. Again, this is not political. I'm just telling you. It's the fight between good and evil. And I'm not saying Israel's perfect by any means. And in war, there are atrocities. And as I wrote to a former colleague of mine who came against me for responding to his post, I said, brother, I agree with you. Innocence gets caught in the middle of war. And they are the needless casualties of war. But there cannot be a perfect war. The only way that works is in a video game. But Israel's elimination will not only make God a liar. There's a couple other things it would do. It would nullify a couple other promises that he's made. And the first one is the Davidic covenant of an eternal throne. And what I mean by Davidic covenant, a covenant is an agreement, okay? It's a promise. And then this one relates to King David. That's why it says the Davidic covenant. It was one that God made with David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 and 13, God says, when your days, speaking of King David, are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, this is interesting because David gathered the materials to build the tabernacle, but was not allowed to build it. Solomon, his son, built it. But that is only partial to what this is, because you notice what it says. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Because in Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, the scripture we're familiar with at Christmas time, it says, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. 
of the increase of his government and peace, there will be what? No end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with justice, with righteousness from now until what? Forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And even in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 1, verse 31 through 33, listen, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no in. If the Jews were to be wiped out, then that promise will not come to pass. And it is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes back and sets up his kingdom here on earth. But there's another promise, and that is found in the new covenant, and it deals not with an eternal throne, but an eternal relationship. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, it says, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. In other words, after a series of time, a period of time, and a series of events, he says, This is the covenant, this is the agreement that I will make with those people, the people of Israel. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they will be my people. And then we go over to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And Jesus says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another counselor, that he may be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, for it does not see him, neither does it know him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So what's the application? Because I'm a guy like, okay, give me the bottom line. Put this thing together for me. And it's really not complicated. It really isn't. The application is simply this. The word of God is accurate. It's reliable. And no adversary can thwart God's plan. None. Not one. Look at your neighbor and say, no, not one. <laughs> There's not one, okay? And the second part, the second part of the application is that God's covenant with Abraham is unconditional and everlasting. In other words, God didn't say, Abraham, I'm making a covenant with you, but if you don't hold up your part, I just, I'm taking it away. In fact, there's an incredible example in the book of Genesis that God does with a sacrifice that we don't have time to go into. And God shows how he can make it that way. Because usually God's promises are conditional. If you will seek me with all your heart, then I will be found of you. Right? I mean, he makes a lot of promises. He said, follow me and I will show unto you. In other words, we can't expect God's promises to fall on our heads like ripe peaches out of a tree. He expects us to do some things. 
But there are some promises that are unconditional. I will never leave you nor forsake you even unto the end of the age. God promises not to leave. But what is your heart? Because the Bible says in the last days many will turn and walk away from the Lord. God didn't move. I tell people all the time, if you feel far from God, guess who moved? It wasn't God. God's promises are unconditional. And when he says forever or evermore, they're everlasting. There's no termination point. He doesn't say, if you get this, 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 and this done by this time, then I'll do this for you. You know, when I was growing up, I had chores to do. And on Saturday, we'd roll around and I'd say, Mama, you guys are going out to play ball. Can I go out? She said, have you done your chores? No, but I'll do them later. No, what's the rule? If your chores aren't done, you don't get to go play. But mom, they're playing now. Doesn't matter. You had all week to do them. God doesn't do that with us. Aren't you glad? His promises are unconditional and everlasting. And even when Israel is disobedient, God foresaw that. And he promised to bring his people home to their own land after a period of exile. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 22 and 24, it says, look what it says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. Now see, they were supposed to go into all the nations. And the people, they were supposed to live as the people who served a holy God, an incredible God, to be a witness of them. He said, the things I'm going to do are not because of who you are. It's because of my namesake. Can I tell you, there have been times that God's done things for me that I sure, surely did not deserve. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, there are times God does things, and when he does it, you're just so overwhelmed by his, grace, his mercy and his grace, and you, you break down saying, why? He said, because I love you. He said, but there's more. There's so much more if you just willingly come after me. See, God's not looking to drag you, rope you, tie you up, and haul you to the throne. And then he goes on to verse 24. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries. And I will bring you back into your own land. God has been fulfilling this prophecy and many others like it. Much to the dismay of those who are seeking to wipe out the very memory of Israel. And so the psalmist closes with this part, and I believe this is a fitting prayer, but look what he says in verse 17 and 18. May they ever be ashamed and dismayed. May they perish in disgrace. Notice, he's not praying, God, just let them off the hook. 
He said, they've connived, they've conspired to destroy our, your people and to bring disgrace to your name. He said, may they perish in disgrace. And verse 18 is the part that I've been praying for, for a month or more longer now. And I've been praying, let them know that you, whose name is the Lord, that you alone are the most high over all the earth. Amen. You want to know how to pray? Take those two verses right there. Just take those two verses right there and begin to pray. God, let your name arise. Let your name be heard. The psalmist said, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. With the high praises of God in our mouth and the two-edged sword in our hand, let us go forth with the might of praise unto the almighty God and cause the devils of darkness to tremble and to run. See, God is going to make his name known. In fact, that is the incredible part of prophecy, Bible prophecy, end time prophecy. There are things that are going to come to pass that Israel is going to find itself completely isolated from the rest of the world. No one there to help them. And it is God's plan in that that will cause them to look up and call upon the name of the Lord. And it's in that place that they will, there will be a national regeneration, a national salvation when a nation, the Bible says, shall be born in a day. God is going to make his name known. How he chooses to do it, when, only he knows. But I know this part. That Numbers 23 and 19, one of the very first verses I ever learned as a young teenage boy. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he spoken and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? My friends, God is still on the throne. He's not about to be overthrown. He's not going to be voted out. He can't be impeached. I'm just telling you, God has made his word go forth and he has decreed it and it's going to come to pass. God's word stands true. And I know it's old fashioned to say God's word says They'd rather say, well, what it really means. I heard an evangelist many years ago teaching the book of Revelation, and he'd read two or three verses and go, no, that's not what it means. And then he'd read three or four verses and go, no, that's not what it means. And then he'd read four, five, six verses. He goes, no, that's not what it means. And then he'd read, and then I watched him for like three days. And every single time he'd read part of it, he goes, now that's not what it means. Now that's not what it means. Now that's not what it means. And I remember after about the third day, I said, you have no clue what it means. I think if God said it, God knows what he means. You just don't understand it. And if you understood it, it wouldn't be God. Because God's ways are higher than our ways. Isn't that right? That's what the Bible tells me. So from the moment in Genesis 3.15, Satan 
in his kingdom of fallen angels have worked to try and thwart God's plan to mankind. Now listen to me. This is the last statement I'm going to make. Satan hates God. Can I hear an amen? amen. Satan hates the Jews. Why? Because through them came the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So he hates God. He hates the Jews. And there's one more. He hates the church. Because it is through the church and the preaching of the cross that the redeemed of fallen creation can be made whole. He hates God. He hates the Jews. And he hates the church. Satan has no chance at redemption. So Satan hates anything or anyone that God loves. I'm not going to make a theological argument out of it. I'm just trying to give it to you. Bottom line, that's it. He hates anything that God loves or anyone God loves. But God loves so much that the Bible says that he gave his only son to die on a cross, only to be raised from the dead on the third day, so that if anyone should believe in Jesus Christ and openly confess with their words and their lives, hear what I said there, just confess with words and go about doing your own thing? No, no, no. Confess with your words and openly with your life that you can be saved from eternal damnation. So Satan hates anything or anyone that God loves, but Jesus Christ loves you and he loves me. He loves the lost, but someone has to tell him the good news. See, Satan's goal is to drag as many to hell as he can since that is his destiny. Jesus desires to bring as many to heaven as he can where he already is. But the choice is you, yours, and the choice is mine. We have to choose. We can't blame it on our upbringing. We can't blame it on our background. We can't blame it on our parents. We can't blame it on our next door neighbor. We can't blame it on our spouse. We can't blame it on our kids. We can't blame it on our parents. We can't blame it on anyone. You have to make a choice. Jesus said, whoever believes in me shall not die, but shall have eternal life. And John 17 and 3 says, and this is eternal life that you know the Father and the one in whom he has sent. To know God and to know the one he sent. That is eternal life. See, eternal life is not about the sweet by and by. That's a product, byproduct of it, if I could put it that way. But eternal life begins in the moment that you surrender and repent before God. You now have a relationship with God the Father and knowing his son in a personal way. God loves us that much.
if you're here this morning or you're watching by way of the internet and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you have a choice to make. I know people who say, well, I'll do it next week. My friends, none of us are guaranteed this afternoon. None of us. The Bible says today, now is the day of salvation. Not next week. The only thing sure is this very moment. And if you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, and you're ready to say, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. I'm, I'm ready to yield and surrender. See, God doesn't want you being forced. He's not going to drag you to that place of the cross. He says, come and surrender. And I will take off your heavy burden. And I will give you newness of life. And if you're here this morning and you ready to surrender and you want Jesus in your life and you want someone to just pray with you, not embarrass you, not call you out, but you're ready for someone to pray with you, I want you to just slip up your hand right now and I want to know to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anyone else? Thank you very much. You can put your hand back down. Thank you. Anybody else? Folks, do you understand what's happening right now? Holy Spirit's working in our lives. The Bible says when he comes, he will convict the world of their sin. And he will witness to us the newness of life. If you're able to stand right now, would you just stand right where you're at? If you're not able to, that's fine. That's fine. But if you are, would you stand right now? You've been sitting for a while. We're going to pray right now. And those of you that raised your hands and maybe those who didn't, but you should have. There's no, nothing mystical or magical or super spiritual about these words. They're just words that if you speak it from the heart, you mean it. God hears that kind of prayer. I want you right where you're at right now. If you're ready to surrender, I want you to pray with me these words. Dear God in heaven, I come to you this day and I declare that I know I am a sinner. I am in need of a Savior. Dear Jesus, I surrender my life. I repent of my sin. I recognize that your word is truth. I have believed a lie. I need you. I want you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. I ask in your name. Amen. Now, Holy Spirit, you've taken record of everything that the Father 
has sent you to do this morning and you've heard the prayers and you've recorded them in the book of life and father the bible says that there is a rejoicing that is going on in the very presence of the throne room of god and right now i pray for those who prayed this and meant it sincerely genuinely from their heart god let them know that their past sins are forgiven that God they have been made new by the precious blood that you shed upon the cross for without the shedding of blood there can be no forgiveness of sin therefore God their sins are washed away they are cleared away they are made new they are in right standing with a holy God and they no longer have to be ashamed of the things that they have done they no longer need to hold their heads down they can look up and they can say father and hear in response my child and know that God they are saved the Bible says that in that moment they're pulled out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred over into the eternal kingdom of his dear son and so, Father, we rejoice this morning. We rejoice Amen. this morning. For salvation has come into this place. Salvation has come into this place because your word is true and your promises stand secure. And there's not a devil in hell or a confederacy on earth that can overweigh or outrule or overthrow you. God we stand sure that your word will come to pass Amen. and we praise you for that in this day of uncertainty god we have the surety of your word and your promises they cannot and will not be broken by you or anyone else and we rejoice in that and we praise you for it right now and so, Father, I feel impressed to pray right now for the prodigals, those who have walked away from you, who once tasted and knew the promises of God to be so real. Holy Spirit, go after them. Go after them. Father, send the Spirit of God after them. Convict their hearts. Bring the emptiness of their soul to mind that they might realize that there was once more and it was the presence of the Almighty One in them. And bring them home. And let your church not be standing there with arms crossed, looking sideways at them. But let your church have tears running down their face, tears of rejoicing, and arms outstretched to receive them home. And Father, again, we pray for Israel. We pray for its political leaders. We pray for its military leaders. And we pray that God, they would have the wisdom and the fortitude to do what is right and not be pressured. Do not let them be pressured by this nation or any other nation. God, they are on a mission to eradicate the evil within its own borders. They have the right to exist for you declared it in a covenant made with Abraham. And if anyone stands against you, then God, they suffer the consequences. We pray for the innocent, 
who are caught in the, the needless casualties there of war. God, I just pray that there are Christians there. There are people who know Yeshua, that God, they would have a way of ministering to the hurting that are there. Father, we pray for our friends who are in Israel, who have been ministering there for years. God, give them inroads. Let them find favor with those that are in higher places, that they might have a voice in the midst of chaos and confusion, a voice that brings reason, a voice of sanity, Lord, a voice of righteousness. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you're here and you need special prayer for anything, we want you to come and let us pray with you. Is there anyone you need special prayer? I don't care what it's for. You need someone to agree with you in prayer. I want you to come. Let us pray for you. Come on. Who else? Anybody else need prayer? Anybody else need prayer? Come on. We're going to pray for you. Hallelujah. And God bless you. Hope to see. have an incredible, blessed week. Come back Wednesday night. We'll fellowship Wednesday night. Amen. I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender. I surrender.
Oh. 